0: Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats, a program dedicated to creating a legacy for your pet. Animal companions, your pets, your children, whatever you call them, they are dearly loved family members. As pet parents and animal lovers, we have an obligation to ensure their current and future well-being. Join estate planning attorney and animal advocate Peggy Hoyt, your host, every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, here on Nature's Channel.fm, Peggy explores the many alternatives available to help you provide for the future care of your pets. They love us unconditionally. Let's make sure we care and provide for them in every circumstance.
1: Hello and welcome. You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Nature's Channel.fm. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt, and it is my pleasure to be with you today. Every time we get together, which is weekly on Mondays at 3 o'clock, we talk about two things usually. We start with talking about a topic related to estate planning or planning for your pets, and then I try to have on every week a special guest to talk about some unique aspect of animals or pet ownership. And today, to start the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about from the estate planning perspective, I have an awful lot of requests. It seems like from people who want to leave their entire estate, their home, their bank accounts, their retirement plans, their life insurance policies, their entire estate for the benefit of their pets and being the pet lover that I am, I am certainly not going to discourage a person from doing that, but there are things that I want you to think about if that's your intention. And if you do want to leave your entire estate to your pet, you're going to have to use a pet trust in order to do that. The law will not let you leave um, an inheritance to a pet because obviously they are not considered to have legal capacity for that purpose. So you'd have to leave the inheritance to a trust for the benefit of the pets, which is fine. But in doing that, you're going to have to think about a couple of different roles. Who's going to be the pet caregiver? Who's going to be the trustee, the person to manage the assets in the trust? And then are you going to also include um, what I would call an animal care panel? Now, all of these things are addressed in more detail in my book, All My Children Wear Fur Coats, How to Leave a Legacy for Your Pet, that's available online through Amazon.com. But one of the issues that comes up in this regard is if you're going to leave your estate to your pets or if you're going to leave your home to your pets is making sure that there's enough money to maintain the home, pay the pet caregiver, and make sure that we're not going to run out of assets um, before um, the end of the pet's lifetime. So lots of good things to be thinking about there. And, and that's where I want to leave this particular topic for today. But if you want to give us a call, you can call into the show at 718-766-4996. That's 718 766 4996, or you can post a question to our Facebook page at All My Children Wear Fur Coats, or you can even visit us on Twitter at Kids in Fur Coats. So without further ado, I would like to introduce today our special guest. She is a certified professional dog trainer from the Certification Council of Professional Trainers. She's a faculty member at the International College of Canine Studies. She's a presenter at the Pet Alliance of Central Florida. She's an author of a book called Instinct Leading to Balance and Obedience, and she's the owner of Positive Canine, a dog behavior modification and dog training company here in the Central Florida area. And I'd like to welcome Katherine Harvey to the show. Welcome, Kathy. I'm so glad to have you today.
2: Well, it's my pleasure to be with you, Peggy. Thank
1: you for having me. Absolutely, and um, I need to share with our guest that uh, you and I have actually not only had the chance to meet, but we had the chance to work together, and I found Kathy a few years ago when I was having difficulty with my dog named Fawn, and Fawn, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, it's not necessarily a medical um, uh, diagnosis, but I believe that my dog Fawn um, has Some form of canine autism. And so she has a lot of trouble interacting with other dogs. And at the time that I met Kathy, she was having a lot of trouble with our particular pack. And Kathy came out to my house, and the very first thing she did was she spent time observing myself, my husband, and the whole dog pack to figure out. Um, exactly what she thought her recommendations were going to be. Do you remember that, Kathy? Very clearly, like it was yesterday. So I want to thank you for that. Yeah, I want to thank you for that because Fawn um, is still with us and she's going to be six years old um, on her next birthday. And she's not cured. I don't think she'll ever be cured from some of the issues she has, but man, oh, man, is she a lot better.
2: And that's, I think, the important thing that you just mentioned. She's not cured, but she's a lot better. And it's very important for people to realize that when their dog has a problem, such as Fawn has, they have limitations. And you cannot always eradicate, you know, what's going to be happening with them. So what you do, you manage the best you can, you get knowledgeable, and then, you know, you try to train them the best you can.
1: And and that's exactly what we've done. So I was sharing with Kathy um, while we were off the air um, that one of Kathy's recommendations for fawn in particular, I, I live on a farm, and so not all my dogs are in the house 24 hours a day. But one of Kathy's recommendations was that fawn be a dog that be allowed to be in the house as much as possible. And, in fact, she sleeps um, in a bed next to my bed every night. And that really, really, has helped her become more adjusted and adjusted to the point where, for the first time ever this last week, she was actually sleeping in the same bed with um a year old kitten
2: but isn't that amazing how you know being it, together instead of being apart are going to make animals and humans better
1: yep it it really it really does, and your advice to me was that Fawn was looking for leadership. And she wasn't finding it in her canine pack, but she was looking to her human pack for more leadership, and um, now we are able to give that to her in a better way. So we mm-hmm. thank you for that.
2: Oh, my pleasure. And I think the leadership that Fawn was looking for was not through uh, dominance, but was also but, but was uh, because of um, togetherness and uh, collaboration, Um, because now we know that the dominant theory has
1: totally been debunked, but we can talk about this later if you wish. Okay, so tell us a little bit about Positive Canine and uh, what you do through your organization.
2: Well, Positive Canine is about uh, four or five years old, but I started uh, training with dogs about 10 years ago, and we're a bit different from the traditional dog training facility as we do focus a lot on the individuality of the dog itself. And we are going to make sure that everything we do is going to be very conducive to set your dog, you know, for success. So the first thing we do is always offer in home personalized behavior modification consultation. And that is when your dog has a definite unwanted behavior. Uh, for example, reactivity towards you know people or dogs or excessive urination. Some have separation anxiety, some are just, you know, anxious. Uh shyness also is, is a big issue, and that's where we come in and, and try to help people understand why, where is the source, and how to manage it. We also offer ongoing, and I say ongoing because that's very important. People think they go to training for six weeks and then, you know, we're done. And actually, this is not the case. So we, that's why we do ongoing off-leash puppy socialization classes And these classes allow each dog to make their own decision, which is very paramount for a future well-behaved dog. And in terms of people, you know, wanting to train their dog, we also do, you know, off-leash recall because that is a life saving skill. This, you know, when your dog is about to cross the street, you need to be able to recall him so he's going to go towards you uh, rather than, you know, going across the street and getting hit by a car. Um, If people want regular command training classes, we have that as well, and we are going to coach people in the basis of learning theory, so that's another, you know, point of view we can do. Um, We also um, have the owner learn, and the dog are going to be learning from each other, and again, it's always on the basis of collaboration and not dominance or control, And, and those are This is a new way of training dogs. We look at who they are instead of, I want you to do this. So we educate our clients on how to read their dog body posture so that they know in what state of mind their furry friend is going to be and also how they can understand how their dog is going to communicate because that's going to eliminate many incidents in the future. Um, So that's really very
1: interesting, Kathy. Um, oh. So I have a baby dachshund. Um, are dachshunds trainable?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, they are, but they are stubborn as you can imagine. Um, wouldn't you be? Imagine they are trained to um, go after badgers. So who would go in their mind, you know, uh, inside a hole or a burrow and meet on the other side of the burrow maybe a thousand teeth waiting for you and trying to just be beat only a dachshund can do this, right? Right, <laughs> so
3: that's right.
2: W- when when it comes to stubbornness, um, dachshund are definitely on top of the of the food chain, if I may say. Um, I had um, a wonderful dachshund myself that we lost last year to a terrible cancer. So I know a lot about dachshund. Um, he was so fearless, and that's a little bit of sometimes uh, of a shock when when they do those things because you wonder w- why weren't they listening. Well, they are dachshund. That's what they are bred for, going after badgers in those burrows. So, yes, they are trainable, but to a limit. I mean, dachshund on the IQ list is not one of the brightest dogs. And, uh, you know, my apologies for all the dachshund owners out there. Um, One of the brightest dogs you would see uh, would be the Border Collie and the Poodle, the German Shepherd, Labrador, uh, and all the Retrievers, um, Hunters.
1: Well, and in talking about really bright dogs, um, some of our listeners may have caught last evening's 60 Minutes program, which featured the smartest dog in the world, Chaser. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you, you told me that you do know a little bit about Chaser and, and the significance that Trace, Chaser brings to the dog world.
2: That is correct. Chaser is, is a Border Collie, which uh, is one of the most intelligent dogs um, that you can have. Um, Border colleagues can work on the farm for 12 hours, and according to professors uh, of the University of British Columbia, his name is Stanley uh, Conan, if I remember well, they are number one on the list. Now, the beauty about Chaser is he did learn all these 1,200 words, but he learned it through inference, and inference is basically what children of two and three years old are going to use. Meaning, I have an example. They are going to learn through deduction. um, If I have a blue square, if I have a red triangle, then I do know those terms, but I don't know about the green ball. If you were to show that to Chaser and you said to him, go and get the green ball, he would get the green ball, not because he knows it's a green ball, but he doesn't know that what is that green ball? I know the red square and I know the blue the blue um the blue triangle, but I don't know the red the the green ball, so he would figure it out because he knew
1: the two other objects.
2: Does it make sense
1: yeah that's that's incredible too that a dog can be that smart. Well, um, we're going to have to take our first break here in a moment and we want to encourage everybody to stay with us. We're going to be talking with Kathy Harvey when we come back from our break and we're going to be talking about training our dogs and making sure that they get the best start in life and then if they didn't get the best start, um, what we can do about that. But you are listening to all my children wear fur coats. We're on natureschannel.fm. If you have questions, you can call us, and if you have a question for me or if you have a question for Kathy, at 718-766-4996. You can post your question to our Facebook page at All My Children Wear Fur Coats. But we hope you'll stay with us. We're talking with Kathy Harvey. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt, and we will be right back.
0: You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats, with the state planning attorney and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt, airing every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time here on natureschannel.fm. Find archives and more at legacyforyourpet.com.
4: natureschannel.fm, amazing talk radio shows, from gardening to animals, natural health and wellness, and fighting for nature. natureschannel.fm, it's where we grow.
5: Organic, loose leaf, and simply delectable, Prasanna Tea Company strives to help people find balance, connect, and live in wellness. We source the finest tea leaves from pristine farms around the world and blend them with some of nature's purest gifts, creating unique infusions that are healthfully life-enhancing, blissfully aromatic, and positively delicious. Find us at PrasannaTea.com. Prasana Tea. It's tea the way it should be. Start your week off in a beautiful way. Come to Nature's Sanctuary Sunday Service for a powerful and beautiful eco-spiritual celebration where we honor and support ourselves through the reflection of nature. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time here at natureschannel.fm. Visit thechurchofnature.org to find out more about Nature's Sanctuary Sunday Service and the Church of Nature.
4: Join the Horses Heart and Soul Herd and Sarah Willerson on Nature's natureschannel.fm Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern for Horse Wisdom Straight from the Stalls. Horses are the heartbeat of the earth and they help us attune our own hearts with our souls. They encourage us to remember that we are part of the harmonious flow that is nature. Tune in every Wednesday for Horse Wisdom Shared Straight from the Stalls
6: and Dippity, every Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Nature's Channel.fm. Want to know what the latest garden trends are? Learn about homesteading techniques and get helpful tips that will help your garden grow? Join Shelly Levis as she explores eco-friendly gardening methods and fun do-it-yourself projects that will have you thinking outside the pot. and Dippity, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Nature's Channel.fm. Nature's Channel is where you
3: grow amazing talk radio shows we talk about animals and gardening natural health and wellness listen live at find archives at you
0: are listening to all my children wear fur coats with the state planning attorney and animal advocate peggy hoyt airing every monday at 3 p.m eastern time here on natureschannel.fm Find archives and more at legacyforyourpet.com
1: Welcome back, I'm Peggy Hoyt and you're listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on natureschannel.fm Today we are talking with Kathy Harvey and Kathy is talking to us about dog training and one of the things that I like about your website Kathy and and the website's at Is She has a quote here that says, dog training is not about dominance nor aversive methods. It is about building a meaningful relationship with your dog using trust and respect, and it is achieved by using practice, patience, and perseverance. That's a great philosophy, Kathy. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Peggy. So tell us, Kathy, at what age should people begin training their dogs?
2: Typically at the age of eight weeks. If you can do it before that, fantastic, Um, but typically eight weeks, um, which is the beginning of what we call as professional the sensitive period. And the sensitive period is between eight weeks old and 16 weeks old, so between two months and four months, and that is a very important period for the puppy because it, they are just open like little sponges. So what we want to do is to touch their paws, their ears, their mouth, so that, you know, grooming is going to be facilitated in the future. And also you want to uh, introduce them to all kinds of stimuli. So in the class, for example, I put them in water very nicely uh, so that they can become good swimmers. But also we are going to show them skateboards, bicycle. Motorbike, cars, um, different shaped objects, balloon, balls, that kind of thing, so that they can take it in um, without being too scared. And that's the key. You don't want them to be scared,
1: right? So that makes a lot of sense. So obviously, I must have messed up at some point because I have two Labradors that won't swim. Oh, you bad girl! Where were you when <laughs> they were eight weeks old? Ah, oh, yeah, I wasn't um, around. So that's kind of the problem. What happens for folks that will you get the dogs in there because you've adopted them and now they're a year mm-hmm. and a half old or they're they're not puppies anymore? You're right.
2: And and that's
1: that's a tragedy
2: because folks are going to feel guilty. They say, Oh my gosh, you know, my lab is not swimming and I said that has nothing to do with you. So we can what we call do desensitization counter conditioning, which is uh, a great thing about, you know, behavior modification. And basically in desensitization, there are three parameters. There are intensity, duration, and intensity, duration, and something else. Anyway, so at lower dose, you're going to show the water to that dog. Now, this is in the case of a dog being four months old. There are very good chances that you're going to be able to rehab that dog. Okay, into getting back into the water. If mm-hmm. your dog has been traumatized, let's say somebody at four months old or five months old said, oh, you know, I'm going to just have those dogs go into the water, you take the dog, you throw the dog into the swimming pool and say, let's see if he can swim. That is going to be dramatic, and that dog will never put another paw in the water. So then you have to rebuild that trust, rebuild the respect, and that's where desensitization is going to come in, and then you're going to be counter-conditioning counter the experience of the water was very, very good thing. That's how so, you So, yeah, do
1: it. It sounds like my but it dog... Does, it to,
2: does take time. It does take time, Peggy. It's not something yeah, it that is like going to be done to, in five
1: minutes. Sure, sounds like my need to start over. So let's go back to puppies, though. So why is it so important that we socialize puppies so that we can get a well-behaved dog?
2: Why is it so important? Because, yeah. for example, I wouldn't have all the you know, unwanted behavior that I see uh, when I go to a home. For example, I have, um, I have some dogs that, you know, people say, well, you know, there are people reactive. That is not good, having people reactivity, because most of the dogs that are euthanized in America today, it's not because of the medical issue. It's because of the behavior issue, and usually mm-hmm. because they are biting people. So it is very important that they are well socialized during those you know very important period of eight weeks, um so that they are going to be regular dogs, um a lot of people would say to me, "Oh, this is so cool, my dog is very well trained, he can sit, he can do all kinds of flips in the house, but outside he's a bear, he's not able to meet people, he's not able to be going to the dog park, so you have a genius in your house, which is totally a social on the other side of the door, and that's not what you want you want basically a dog that, you know, is going to go with the flow. And that is your job, that is your responsibility as a dog owner to start training right away but in a very low-pressure manner. That's what we do at the puppy socialization class. It's very low pressure for the owner and for the dog. If a dog doesn't want to do something, if the dog shows me, well, you know, I don't like the water, I'm not going to go in it, fine. We're not going to go in the water, we're just going to look at it. And when you're ready to go home, well, yeah, I guess we're going to go home. And that's that's where the respect comes and the trust is going to be coming. And as you go and you do this, you will notice that your dog is going to give you more and more every single day because he trusts that you're not going to put him in a failing situation. So it's a win-win for everyone.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. So, um, I can see how that would be really important. So if we miss puppy socialization, though, do you also offer classes for older dog socialization?
2: Yes, absolutely. We do this bi weekly and I have a wonderful facility where we can do this outside. And it's actually pretty cool to see the puppies who have been socialized. I've had clients coming for eight months straight, and the puppy is well socialized, but they are still coming because it's fun for them and it's fun for the puppy, and they do activities together. And then what I do, I introduce dogs that sometimes are two years, three years old, that have been severely abused mentally and physically and do not trust anyone. And in that case, I bring the owner, which is usually the anchor of of trust, because mom and dad are here, so the dog is able to do more, uh, and there is no pressure. If the dog doesn't feel good, the owner will take the dog in their arms, Will hug the dog and say, you know, no big deal. We can retrieve ourselves from the commotion of the play group, and then in a few minutes we can come back. And that's really the, the beauty of those biweekly classes because dogs are learning without any pressure on them. And to me, that is more paramount than any training class you can have. Because on a training class, you're going to learn all the commands, which is a wonderful thing. But there is that socialization that is being missed. So you have great dogs, you can do sit, you can do roll over, but then okay, how am I going to meet another dog? Or how can I go to the dog park? And and I think we should do with the reverse. We should have now, you know, great trainers have the puppy socialization and then we can incorporate a training command. You can, you know, during the socialization you can tell your dog okay, now today we're going to be working on free off-leash recall, which is the most important. And then we do this with their owners, and that's something they learn. Then maybe next time we can learn to sit on command. And you don't have the impression that you're doing a lot, but for the dog it's better because it's play and it's learning at the same time. And it's also a lot better for the owner who don't feel the pressure of always performing. Because I did notice some people are very tense when they come to class, thinking that they have to do this, they have to do that. Anytime they just don't have to. They just have to be themselves and understand that you know, train without ego, and you'll be fine. Because every day my dogs are showing me that I don't know. Sometimes don't know much about dog training. So if my dog doesn't understand or doesn't do what I say, I'm looking at me rather than you know, why don't you want to do that? And I think that's that's more fair to the
1: dog. Sure, sure, that makes sense. So um, when somebody comes to you and asks you about training, do you usually recommend group or private training? Well,
2: it really depends on what they're trying to accomplish. Um, the, the dog that is asocial, obviously private is going to be better. Um, they're going to learn quicker. Uh, it's going to be more time uh, economically more sound for the, for the owners as well. But group training is really cool as well for the dog that is easy. As long as they can focus on you, because I have um, I call them the little devils. Um, those pups that are coming that are about ten weeks old and all they want to do is play, and forget about having, having them trying to do something because they just want to play with you know the, the butterfly in the yard or that kind of thing. So it really really depends, but I would recommend any special you know dog that has been coming from the shelter or had anxiety issues to start in a non confrontational environment such such as home and then maybe gradually transferring to group classes if necessary
1: um and i know also that you have said in the past that um you also have uh, walks in the woods for people who are adventurous and want to go out uh, um in the woods with their dogs
2: oh yes i do and this is the this is a highlight this is like human and dogs sharing the magical thing that nature has to offer. And um, personally, I do it every day with my dogs. They are very spoiled, and so am I. I take that time because it's a time of reflection. Um, It's a time where I can meditate with my dog, which I know for a lot of people is going to sound odd. Um, But it's really a a time of reunion where you know that you and your dogs are only one person, one energy. And, And that is just, It's a phenomenal experience. Everybody who has done it is coming back for more. They just say, oh, my gosh, I've never seen my dog this way. He's so free. And that is the key. He is or she is so free. You know, we're trying to control the dog with leashes, with shock collars, prong collars, choke collars. But, in fact, sometimes when you leave them alone, they, they probably would have a very happy life.
1: Absolutely. Well, and I know that that's one of the things that you and I did together was uh, take my pack on a walk, and and that was really wonderful. So we're going to have to take a break again here in a moment. And so I want to invite people to call us if they have questions. You can call into the show at 718-766-4996, or you can post your question to our Facebook page if you're a little shy and you don't want to call in. If you want to check out Kathy's website, you can find her at pawcanine.com. She's also on Facebook. Um, and if you want to find her on Facebook, um, I know you are have a positive canine face and people can find you there as well. So we're going to come back in a moment. We're going to continue our conversation with professional dog trainer Kathy Harvey and we're going to wind up the show here in a little bit, talking about some more about estate planning for your pets. We hope that you'll stay with us, and we look forward to seeing you after the break. We'll be right back. You are listening
0: to All My Children Wear Fur Coat with estate planning attorney and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt, airing every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time here on Nature's FM. Find archives and more at legacyforyourpet.com
4: natureschannel.fm amazing talk radio shows from gardening to animals natural health and wellness and fighting for nature natureschannel.fm it's where we grow
5: organic loose leaf and simply delectable prasana tea company strives to help people find balance connect and live in wellness we source the finest tea leaves from pristine farms around the world and blend them with some of nature's purest gifts, creating unique infusions that are healthfully life-enhancing, blissfully aromatic, and positively delicious. Find us at PrasanaTea.com. Prasana tea. It's tea the way it should be. Start your week off in a beautiful way. Come to Nature's Sanctuary Sunday Service for a powerful and beautiful eco-spiritual celebration where we honor and support ourselves through the reflection of nature. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time here at natureschannel.fm. Visit thechurchofnature.org to find out more about Nature Sanctuary Sunday Service and the Church of Nature.
4: Join the Horses Heart and Soul Herd and Sarah Willerson on natureschannel.fm Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern for Horse Wisdom Straight from the Stalls. Horses are the heartbeat of the earth and they help us attune our own hearts with our souls. They encourage us to remember that we are part of the harmonious flow that is nature. Tune in every Wednesday for Horse Wisdom Shared Straight from the Stalls.
6: So and every Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Nature's Channel.fm. Want to know what the latest garden trends are? Learn about homesteading techniques and get helpful tips that will help your garden grow? Join Shelly Levis as she explores eco friendly gardening methods and fun do it yourself projects that will have you thinking outside the pot. So and Dippity, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Nature's Channel.fm. Nature's Channel is where you
3: grow with amazing talk radio shows we talk about animals and gardening natural health and wellness listen live at find archives at natureschannel.fm you are listening to all my children
0: wear fur coats with the state planning attorney and animal advocate peggy hoyt airing every monday at 3 p.m eastern time Here on natureschannel.fm
1: Find archives and more at legacyforyourpet.com Welcome back, I'm Peggy Hoyt, your host of All My Children Wear Fur Coats on natureschannel.fm Today we're talking with special guest Kathy Harvey Kathy is a certified professional dog trainer And she has a website called pawcanine.com And we are talking to her about training our dogs. And so, Kathy, welcome back.
2: Well, thank you, Peggy. My pleasure.
1: So when it does come to training your dog, what do you think the most common mistake is that people make?
2: I think they have very high expectations when it comes to, you know, what their dog can do. Um, I believe that they have been something their head is being filled with some things that are not compatible with the dog. We think that, for example, today I was on on a phone uh, phone conversation with one of my clients, and I asked her the question. I said, "Do you think that your dog should do everything you asked him to do?" And she said, "Yes." And I said, "That's not feasible because if your dog is in, you know, could be in danger, or doesn't want to do something, there is a reason for it." And the high expectation, the TV show that we see. Uh, All the contests and all these wonderful trained dogs sometimes gives you um, not the reality of of what the life of a dog can be. So if people lower their expectations that they know the dog is not a robot, it's not something you're going to turn on or something you're going to turn off, they are living creatures, they have emotions, um, and plenty of them. They have joy, sadness, grief,
6: empathy.
2: Um, so they are really a part of our family, and I think it would be inconceivable for a family member to always, you know, ask another family member, well, I want you to do this, and I want you to do it all the time. And I think that's the way we should look at our dogs.
1: Well, I think that's, that's a good philosophy to have. So if you if there was just one behavior that we were going to teach our dog, what do you think that most important behavior would be? Um.
2: Well, what I do ask about my dogs, personally, I want them to be able to trust me and to respect me. But in terms of training behavior, I think the off we call is the most important because that's a life-saving skill. I, you know, it's going to be either the road or it's going to be life or death. So are you going to get that squirrel, you know, across the street and maybe running the risk of being hit by a car? Or are you going to come back to me because you want to and because i got a great bone for you? So that is skill. That is why we, we're teaching it starting at eight weeks old at our classes because it is that important. So that's really what I'm asking from my own dog. Now, if you do ask other trainers, I'm sure they have, you know, other requests and things that they think is important. But life-saving skills are very important.
1: Absolutely, I can understand that. I have, um, I currently have a lab husky mix who is very hard-headed and. Um, Even though he's on an invisible fence, he likes to uh, sometimes uh, go beyond his boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I know from experience that very, Mm -hmm. very important when I ask him to come that he Mm -hmm. not necessarily come back across the line, but he comes to where I am so that I can um, put him back safely in the yard where he belongs.
2: And we can definitely talk about the electric fence and sometimes why it works and sometimes why it doesn't work. And in the case of the husband, he's not coming back because he got a shock when he crossed, you know, the line. So he knew that he's going to get shocked, but what is behind the fence has more value to him. So he's going to take a shock, knowing that what is behind him, behind the fence, is better. But on the way back, he's still going to have to go through the shock again, and what is inside the fence may not be as valuable. So... Having an electric fence, I mean, you're talking to a force trainer, so it's difficult for me to agree with it, but it's a double-edged um, sword because it works both ways. And many, many times I have seen dogs that have just went through it and they you just don't see them again because they're not going back through the fence knowing they're going to be shocked again. So that, that's why we have better ways. Sure,
1: absolutely. So, yes, you and I should talk more about that offline. Mm-hmm. So um, both you and I are big supporters of um, the Pet Alliance of Greater Orlando, which is our local um, humane society and adoption shelter. And I know that we both believe that we should adopt our dogs from uh, uh, either Orange County Animal Services or from Seminole County Animal Services, but at any rate from some sort of a rescue organization. Um, So tell us a little bit about your thoughts in that regard. I I love the, you know,
2: rescuing dogs. All my dogs are rescued. Um, The reason being is, you know, as uh, animal control, 50 dogs come every week. Uh, I believe 30 or 20 are only adopted. So you do the math and you see, you know, what kind of waste of life is unfortunately being, um, you know, killed. Um, I'm not too keen on, obviously, any pet store because we know what is behind the pet store with the puppy mill and the atrocious. Um, situation and filth and inhuman condition in which those, you know, mommy dogs are, are being bred. So I would not go for that. Uh, for people obviously who want, I wouldn't say the perfect dog because I don't think that exists, you know, having a reputable breeder definitely is, you know, an option. Um, but rescuing is the best. You know, when you rescue, you save two lives. You save the dog that you save and then you make room for another dog to come along and maybe having the chance of being saved as well. So that's why I'm just, you know, always for rescue.
1: And, and also, I think I that's mention, a, a terrific philosophy.
2: I, yes, I apologize. I also would like to mention all the wonderful rescue group in Central Florida. And they are wonderful, wonderful, you know, trying to raise funds and, you know, every Saturday and Sunday trying to have adoption events. These, these groups need to be also uh, supported.
1: Absolutely. We need to always um, support our local rescue organizations. And of course, if folks are looking for a rescue dog, they can find them at petfinder.com. And uh, my personal philosophy is like yours. It's until there are none, you should adopt one. Mm -hmm. Um, And my father was the person who actually coined that phrase. And it's, it's one that I have adopted for myself. And Of course, I have seven dogs at the moment, all of whom are, they all have a story and they all came to me in some interesting way, but um, most of them are rescues of one sort or another. So in talking a little bit more about training our dogs, um, let me ask you what you think is the most important thing we need to understand if we're trying to modify a pet's behavior. If we want to try
2: to modify a pet behavior, as I was mentioning to you, if there is a trauma, desensitization and counter-conditioning are important and in desensitization, respecting distance, duration and intensity of the stimuli. That's a bit scientific, but anyway, basically it says, you know, like the water, for example, like the swimming pool. If you're afraid of the swimming pool because you were thrown at one point in your life, even that's very good for a human as well, You're not going to want to go back. So I always tell people, what is your worst phobia? Most of the people are going to tell you my phobia is spiders. I said, okay, so now I'm going to show you a room, and in that room we will have spiders. But every time you're going to see a spider, and I'm I'm just asking you to look at the spider, I'm going to give you a $10 bill. Are you ready for this? Do you want to do that? People say, yeah, I'm pretty good. So for a dog, for example, I'm just going to say to the dog, if you don't like the swimming pool, all I'm asking you to do is just to look at the water from a certain distance, and I'm just going to give you a treat. And that's all we're going to do. And the next day, we're going to get closer and closer and closer. So in the the case of the spider, then I would just ask the people, I said, okay, well, so now I'm going to ask you to get closer to the spider. And as it goes on, you're going to be in a room with spiders, and then you're going to have... I don't know, a $1,000. And when the dog, you know, who would do the swimming pool thing, would maybe look at the water or even t- taste the water, then I would give him, you know, rewards such as it doesn't have to be food. It can be massages. It can be um, hugs. They don't like hugs too much, uh, but just a section. Um, it can be a toy. It can be something of value that they really, really like. And that's how you're going to modify their behavior. But the problem that people have is that desensitization counter-conditioning does take time and patience. And usually after a few days, people are not committed and they're just going to stop. And, you know, the dog still is with that unwanted behavior.
1: So that sounds very interesting to me. And maybe you should train people, too, because I'm deathly afraid of spiders. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs>
2: my, my place. And always using positive reinforcement. That that is very very important. Um, what I wanted to to say as well is I'm I'm very privileged. I'm a member of the uh, PPG in uh, which is in Florida. That's a pet professional guild, and it's an international organization that advocates for the teaching of all animals with kindness. And also, I'm a member of the Central Florida Four Trainer Network. Um, a wonderful individual, a wonderful group. And we never use aversive training. Our philosophy is science-based, knowing that you can get a lot more with praise and rewards than you would do with punishment. So our mission, like you said, is to really kind of turn you know, dog training 180 degrees. If your dog doesn't do what you want them to do, you're not going to you know, shock them, choke them, or whatever. If what you want to do this to me, I would just move away from you and never come back. But because of you know what the expectation of people, that's what they think they should do. So this is this is wrong. You have to associate, you know, the command or the behavior modification with something of value that the dog would work for. And uh, our clients really, really love the new approach. And the um, the motto of the Central Florida 4th Returning Network is build the bond. And do no harm. And I think that you know when you do this with trust and respect, um, you cannot go wrong because your friend, your furry friends, are really going to recognize that you know you are there for them.
1: Absolutely. Well, and we're going to have to take another short break, and then we're going to come back. We are talking with Kathy Harvey. She's a certified dog trainer. She's got lots of good advice for us. You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Nature's Channel FM. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. You are listening to
0: All My Children Wear Fur Coats with the state planning attorney and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt, airing every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern time here on FM. Find archives and more at legacyforyourpet.com.
4: Natures Channel. FM: amazing talk radio shows from gardening to animals natural health and wellness and fighting for nature nature's channel fm it's where we grow
5: organic loose leaf and simply delectable Prasana tea company strives to help people find balance connect and live in wellness we source the finest tea leaves from pristine farms around the world and blend them with some of nature's purest gifts creating unique infusions that are healthfully life enhancing blissfully aromatic and positively delicious. Find us at PrasanaTea.com PrasanaTea It's tea the way it should be. Start your week off in a beautiful way. Come to Nature's Sanctuary Sunday Service for a powerful and beautiful eco-spiritual celebration where we honor and support ourselves through the reflection of nature. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time here at natureschannel.fm. Visit thechurchofnature.org to find out more about Nature's Sanctuary Sunday Service and the Church of Nature.
4: Join the Horses Heart and Soul Herd and Sarah Willerson on Nature's Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern for Horse Wisdom Straight from the Stalls. Horses are the heartbeat of the earth and they help us attune our own hearts with our souls. They encourage us to remember that we are part of the harmonious flow that is nature. Tune in every Wednesday for Horse Wisdom Shared
6: Straight from the Stalls. So and Dipity, every Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Nature's Channel.fm. Want to know what the latest garden trends are? Learn about homesteading techniques and get helpful tips that will help your garden grow? Join Shelley Levis as she explores eco-friendly gardening methods and fun do-it-yourself projects that will have you thinking outside the pot. So and Dipity, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Nature's Channel.fm. Nature's
3: Channel is where you grow with amazing talk radio shows. We talk about animals and gardening, natural health and wellness. Listen live at Find Archives at natureschannel.fm
0: You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats with the state planning attorney and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt. Airing every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time here on Nature's Channel.fm. Find archives and more at
1: legacyforyourpet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to all my children wear fur coats on Nature'sChannel.fm. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. Today we have been talking with certified professional dog trainer and owner of Positive Canine, Kathy Harvey. Kathy, tell our guests how they can get a hold of you or visit your website. Uh
2: the website of Positive K nine is ww nine P A W C A N I N E dot com or they can reach me on my direct line at four zero seven three nine nine two eight one two.
1: Thank you so much for that. Well, and I know people are still probably wondering. I mean, you mentioned that border collies are one of the easiest breeds to train, but not everybody's going to be a border collie person. So, what other dogs are at the top of the easy to train list?
2: Easy to train list. I would say any any working dogs such as like a German shepherd, uh poodles are very easy. Uh they are, you know, the three top um IQ you- We have the Labrador Retriever, very easy. Golden Retriever, of course. Um, So these are all, you know, these are all the big dogs. But I think in terms of training, in in lieu of looking at, okay, what can I do with this dog? I would say, how can I incorporate that dog into my family style? And, And I do come from the point of view where pick the dog that is going to fit your lifestyle and not the dog of your dreams and And I need this every day. I have right now an eighty one old lady who has a champion search and rescue dog, and he's going to have to be rehomed because she cannot handle it. uh You can imagine it's you know she can barely walk, and the dog is constantly wanting to search and rescue, and her backyard is a golf course right now because it's always digging. so you just have to really look, can that dog you know sit? Where, you know, who am I? So if you're going to be a marathon person, uh, a runner would be great. But if you're going to be a catch potato, probably a great den would be a wonderful idea. Or maybe a senior dog, and there are so many to be rescued at the, uh, at the SPCA.
1: Yes, there are, and we want to keep that in mind that when you rescue a dog, you probably rescue two dogs, the one you save and the one you made room for. And as I mentioned, my personal philosophy is until there are none, adopt one. Thank you for being with us today, Kathy. We really appreciate it. And uh, we, we hope that folks will follow up with you.
2: Well, thank you, Peggy, for your kind invica- invitation. And thank you for the opportunity to advance dogs' welfare. It was really a pleasure.
1: Oh, mine as well. So to all of our listeners who are thinking about doing estate planning for your pets, um, There's lots of things for you to be thinking about, not only who's going to be your pet caregiver, who's going to be your trustee, what's an animal panel, and do I need one, but making sure that we've created the right instructions for the proper care of our pets so that we know for absolute sure that we've done the best job we can for them. Um, I will be speaking tonight at the Orlando Dog Training Club. I've been uh, asked to come out there and share um, some information with their folks about estate planning for their pets. We're with you here on Nature's FM every Monday at 3 p.m. We hope that you'll call us with your questions, or you can leave us a message on All My Children Wear Fur Coats on our Facebook page, or you can send us a message at Twitter at Kids in Fur Coats, If there's a topic that you'd like to hear about and we're not talking about it, be sure and let us know because we would be happy to bring you a special guest of your request. And we're hoping that everybody's dogs stay happy, healthy, and not just dogs, but our cats, our horses, our birds, our reptiles, anybody that we call part of our family who might have four legs, and um, that we consider ourselves to be pet parents too. It's our pleasure to be with you each week, and uh, it's our pleasure to be here on natureschannel.fm sharing with you. And it's our pleasure to bring to you each week interesting guests that um, can add something to your pet's life. So we're looking forward to seeing you next week. Be here on Monday, September the 28th, when we get back together. And until then, happy tails.
0: Thank you for joining us on All My Children Wear Fur Coats here on natureschannel.fm. All My Children Wear Fur Coats explores options and alternatives for creating a lasting legacy for your pet. Visit legacyforyourpet.com to join our email list for updates on shows, links to archives, information on complimentary pet planning workshops, and more. Be sure to tune in every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Happy tails! See you next week.